Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life, looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome, and let's get started. This episode is dedicated to my dear departed friend, Sean Delmore. You are missed and thought about more than you know, my brother. As a writer and someone who has a deep interest in how we use words and language to create transformation, I'm always interested when I see someone who takes metaphysical principles and applies them to an area of life that I haven't seen before, and the topic of cancer is one such area. With all my reading and studying in the metaphysical and spiritual traditions, not to mention alternative health, I have yet to see anyone really take a unique and powerful approach to cancer. Up until today's conversation, I have viewed cancer, as many of you probably do, as an extremely unfortunate fate that befall any of us at any time. And if a friend got diagnosed with cancer up until now, I didn't really have any resources for them. As evidence, I watched my dear friend Sean pass away two years ago, and as I sat with him through chemo, I felt helpless and frustrated that I didn't have another option to point him to. And cancer is in everyone's circle, is it not? Everyone knows someone who has had or has passed away from the big C. It is the cloud that lurks behind every suspicious lump, every test that the doctor says we want to do another. It lurks behind every biopsy and colonoscopy and breast exam. There's such an air of fear around it. What would you do if you received a cancer diagnosis from your doctor? Most would say dig in, fight, do your chemo and your radiation, pray, and hope for the best. This is the mainstream medicine's best option and has been the de facto approach for damn near everyone. And this approach hasn't seemed to have really changed much or evolved over the years and decades, has it? Without really being aware of it, I was always looking for a different approach, one that I could point people towards as an alternative. Many people have and will find themselves with cancer in the coming years. It will be part of their hero's journey, and most will take the tried and true path, and I completely understand that. Mainstream medicine does save some who have cancer, but I have long wondered why the numbers weren't better. Could there be other approaches out there that we don't know about or haven't yet discovered? Not necessarily to replace the orthodox approach, but to add to our toolbox as an option. My guest today is someone who has developed one such approach, and I'm excited to have a conversation with him and for you to listen in on. Federico Vallon is a clinical hypnotherapist, integrative cancer coach, and practices intuitive health care. He has helped hundreds of people over the years overcome conditions such as anxiety, depression, pain, phobias, the side effects of cancer, and much more. His intuitive abilities in combination with his clinical approach makes him a one-of-a-kind practitioner, and he has been devoted to helping people transcend their limitations since 2003. Here is my interview with Federico Vallon. All right, I am here with Federico Vallon, thought leader, health expert, uh, hypnotherapist, and teacher. Federico Vallon. Federico, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Oh, amazing to be here, Tony. Yeah, I was so happy to to connect with you through a mutual friend of ours. Uh, and you and I had a great conversation a few days back, just kicking the tires on it. And and you have a really interesting story and a really interesting uh, uh, group of clients that you work with that I'm looking forward to talking to you about. We've never really done a, a show on perhaps how to approach cancer, which is so widespread. Uh, and this is really, my show is really about giving men and women resources on their hero's journey. And yet we've never really addressed 
what is, you know, what would happen if you got a cancer diagnosis? How would you frame that? And so I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you about these very things and, and, and what your perspective is on that. But I guess the first question I wanted to ask you is, you know, you're a, you're a trained hypnotherapist. Um, how did you get focused in on um, health and cancer as maybe a group that you were going to work with? Did you have a parent or something that had it or a close friend? How did you pick that? And how was that kind of a calling for you to work in the area of health uh, and apply the principles that you learned in that? Yeah, well, basically, great question. And by the way, thank you, Tony, for having me. I really, really been looking forward to this moment. Um, yeah. Amazing to be here. Thank you so much. Um, the way I got into hypnotherapy, well, the way that, the way I got into hypnosis first was, um, you know, one of those stories. Like, like my mom had a book, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom had a book in her in the bookshelf, and one day, just by accident, I opened that book and it was talking about hypnosis, and I read mm -hmm. about it. I was, I think, twelve or thirteen, and I was fascinated by. Uh, how it was possible to do people, you know, make people um, enter these states of altered consciousness. Yep. So I went to school and tried to put the kids in my classroom in hypnosis, and I don't think it worked out, but that's how it all started. Yeah. And I, I was raised by a family who was deeply involved in healing, in, in spirituality. Both of my parents are yogis. Uh -huh. uh, my father still did today. He's been practicing yoga for over 40 years. Mm. Um, they met through that world, actually. My mother was always into spirituality, um, but also into uh, psychology mm. and, and understanding our minds better. So that's kind of how it all came to be from, from, from the side of hypnosis and hypnotherapy eventually. Um, and when it comes to cancer, yes. Uh, you, you you hit it right on the nail. Like my mother also had throat cancer at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but the interesting thing that was, um, that happened then was that my mom healed her own cancer by the use of herbs, food, changes in her lifestyle, and the power of her mind. Mm. The, the, the usage of her words, the power of her own vision. Um, obviously she had some guidance and that really, you know, that really touched me. And I didn't actually know how much it touched me and how much it, um, how much influence it had on me until years later. Yeah. Until, you know, in the last few years when um, working as a hypnotherapist already for several years, but in the last few years is that I narrowed it down to work more and more with, with that population that needs it so much. So that's where it all came from. That's yeah. great. I think it's so fantastic that you do work um, with cancer patients. So many people, I mean, we all have people in our circle. I lost both my maternal and, and paternal grandmother. And then now, you know, I'm of the age, I just lost one of my closest friends uh, from college to cancer. And, you know, there's still, I don't think there's enough resources for people because when people get it, even I've noticed people that are in alternative mindsets or, or, or yogis, or, you know, it still takes something. Cause I think it, the temptation is, well, you know, 
I have a cancer diagnosis. They don't have a cure. The best I can hope for is chemotherapy, radiation, uh, this brutal kind of treatment. Uh, even though it doesn't get very good results, that's the best I've got. You know, because I don't, I don't know if there's really a set alternative path. There's people like you doing excellent work, but I don't think in the consciousness of mainstream, the mainstream mindset, there's like, well, I'm going to do the, you know, the Federico way, um, that's, that's given all these people great results, um, or it's just so much, um, better than the traditional way, because it's still like people, I wish I would have known you when my friend got diagnosed, um, because perhaps I could have, um, introduced the two of you and, and, you know, who knows what would have happened, but he talked to one of his friends whose wife was a doctor and she said, you have to do Mm -hmm. The chemo radiation, Sean, is your own is your only hope. Otherwise, there's just no you're never going to live. You're going to you're not going to live longer than six months kind of thing. And so, you know, uh, from her point of view, that's the way it was. Um, But what how does your approach different? Like you and I spoke a, a few days ago about this and you were pointing out something that, you know, the 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 approach to cancer is kind of like this. It's this demon that you have to overcome this dragon that you have to fight and be a warrior against. And I see this all over the place. You can see it even in bumper stickers, you know, fuck cancer kind of thing. It's that, it's that, that that is, and that is the go-to attitude. Like if you get diagnosed, well, get your warrior on, get that kind of fight mentality. I'm going to beat this thing, but your approach is quite different. I'm anxious to hear how it's different and you don't recommend treating cancer as an enemy even on a diagnosis where you get it do you yeah i don't i don't and um oh my god well i don't even know where to start with all all the stuff that you just say there (laughs) yeah there's so much um i there is something that you just mentioned right now that really caught my attention and you know as a a hypnotherapist Mm -hmm. and therapist i I am hypersensitive to the words people use. Mm. I'm hypersensitive to the language I use myself. Mm. And so whenever somebody says something that really catches my attention, there's like a light going off in my brain. Yep. And one, one of the things that you just say right now was when people get it or when people catch us, I, I can't remember exactly which word you say, but like, yeah. so we have this perspective of cancer as something that we catch. Mm. Yeah, that that gets us from right. the outside. Yep. Um, and then because of that perspective, is something that we need to combat and 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 mm. you know fight because it's an invader. Yeah, for sure. And and that is part of the mentality around it, um, which is very paramount to the work I do. And I'll, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But the other thing you you really mentioned that was very important is. How many of us um, know people in our lives that have been affected by this? Okay. And, you know, I, I put together a couple of numbers here and I did my best to not bring a bunch of data because I didn't want to go that way. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. But one of the things I caught my attention the other day, um, year, a couple of years ago, was that in the 1900s, one person in 50 uh. um, was uh, expected to, you know, that had cancer risk. Yeah. One person in 50 in the 1900s. In the 1940s, one in 10. In the 1980s, one in three. Wow. And today, one in two. Wow. 
So my question to you, Tony, to your audience here is like, what has changed? Yeah. What has changed? What has changed from the 1900s to today? Mm. And we all know what it is. Lifestyle. Yep. You know, our lifestyle, the food we eat, yep. in which we live our lives. And so that gives you a little bit of an indication of what's been causing the problem. Mm -hmm. um, so another thing you were mentioning was about alternatives and that there is not that many alternative routes to, to dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. And every day there are more. Every day there are more. But what happens to is that we have been so brainwashed into trusting the medical system blindly. Right. That, uh, you know, one of the things I tell my clients is that you need to see doctors like people. Mm -hmm. You need to see these authorities, these figures of power, of influence, uh, you know, that make more money than you do, went to school for more years than perhaps you did, uh, have more authority in society in a way because, you know, being a doctor is like, in some places, like being a god. Sure. Um, you need to see these people as humans that, uh, you know, they were taught certain things. It's expected for them to push certain treatments because that's all they know. As a matter of fact, I know a bunch of doctors and they have a horrible diet themselves. Sure. So they, so they don't really understand diet. They don't really care much about it. And when it comes to cancer, cancer is treating solely like mostly at the level of the body mm -hmm. but it's never really addressed in the mainstream uh from the perspective of the emotional you know with, with emotional component in mind yeah uh, with the mental component in mind and then with the spiritual as well right so we treat it as just something that is in the body and and you know again the the, the purpose of medicine is to stabilize the body mm-hmm the medicine that we know today has one purpose and it is to deal with symptoms right to to bring people into step into an stable state as soon as possible mm -hmm. now the consequences of that process are multiple and the consequences of radiation and chemotherapy um, even though it has helped many people as well you know are terrible are terrible is like yep. basically a poisoning of the body, it has it has hurt hurt many people um, beyond a point of point of return, and um, instead of supporting people into really healing from within, you know the other the other important thing here too to mention is whatever the person believes that is the cause of their cancer has a lot to do with what they do to heal it. I, I thought that was super interesting when you said that before. Um, and that's never talked about, of course, in mainstream media, because they can't bring in metaphysical or psychological things at all, you know, but I thought, you know, uh, it, it very well likely has a component that is a spiritual component or, or a psychological component, right? I, I would imagine that would be abundantly clear. However, people still think they still create it as a kind of a uh, uh, object subject, right? Like uh, it's exactly. something's, something's happening to me. I have nothing to do with it. I didn't create any, you know, it's just happening. I had no, I, I have no input. I'm not factoring in the thoughts I'm thinking, my lifestyle choices. I saw, I saw a guy uh, on Facebook who beat cancer. I, I, that might be a bad way to say the language since we're using different language around it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's good. say he befriend, he befriended it. I, he still may have had a fighting 
spirit around it. I didn't see any kind of language that we use language, but he basically starved it, meaning he said, oh my God, I eat like shit. I, I put tons of trans fats. I eat whatever. Um, I eat tons of sugar, um, alcohol. Like he basically did an assessment, him and his wife. And he basically said, I'm feeding the cancer all kinds. So, so for him, I guess if you were to ask him what's causing it, his immediate answer might've been, I eat garbage uh -huh. and that's what's causing it. So there was probably a, a, a spiritual component for him as he learned better self-care, but also just on a physical level, he started putting really good superfoods in his body. He started using fasting um, and he basically shrunk it to nothing to the point where he went back to the doctors and they went, what the hell did you do? And oh, his answer, oh. his answer was, I starved it. I stopped giving it all the stuff that it was, that it was thriving on. Now, you could easily create a deeper layer for you as a, as a hypnotherapist saying that he put his finger on what was causing it internally for himself. Right. Absolutely. He, he probably, I, I, he probably knew for years, I'm not do, I'm not putting very good stuff in my body. And over totally. time that impacts you. You're like, I'm not worth eating really live food or I'm not worth fasting once in a while. So I can feel my best, like, right. All those different things that we kind of know, or that maybe we've even read, um, but anyways, I wanted to just mention that guy because he still, I think still had the fight spirit, but also he started to identify what was causing it internally. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what, in my books, everything we do is spiritual too, mm. because there is no separation, right? You know, yeah. it's part of the, it's part of this mechanistic perspective that we have of talking about the mind and talking about the spirit and talking about the body. Um, that we still see them as, as separated elements, which, you know, is very Newtonian, very scientific yep. um, to dissect uh, the parts of our components, you know, but in reality is that it's all one thing. Yep. And the way we eat has a lot to do with our spirituality. The way we speak has a lot to do with our body. Mm. You know, the way we move has a lot to do with our beliefs uh, it's all one. It's all all one. And um, so what I was mentioning before about whatever you believe caused the cancer has a lot of impact in what you do about it, to heal mm -hmm. it, to resolve it. Yeah. Uh, without even going into the spiritual realm, if, if you want to, um, you know. So here, here are some of the options that I give as sources of uh, what the majority of people think that gave, you know, that... Mm -hmm help them you know that uh cause the cancer right yeah so one of them is toxicity mm -hmm. you know in the environment you know air food whatever another one is food mm -hmm. you know like in the case of this guy yep. another one is unresolved emotions another one is on the genes mm -hmm. you know my it's on my genes it's all oh, my mother my sister had it that's why i have it yeah um, another people other people think it's god's punishment or yep. karma yeah. Right. So if you believe it's God's punishment, there is very little you can do. Right. Yeah. If you believe it's in your food, you can do a lot more. Yeah. If you believe it's in your genes, well, then maybe all you can do is surrender surrender yourself to medicine. Right. So depending on what you see as a source, really gives you a lot of power or take power away from your decisions into what to do about it. The thing is also that our society, in a way, we're like so lazy when it comes to, <laughs> sorry for that word there, but like when it comes to making changes, we're, we're like yeah. 
so conditioned to have these external forces, like in the case of medicine, uh, causing and creating changes for us instead of us taking the power to do them to ourselves. That's why a lot of people don't juice. Yeah. That's why a lot of people don't fast. That's why a lot of people don't make changes because it demands work. Right. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. When you it's when, so much easier to just take a pill or lay down and and receive a treatment than to really make those changes. I I love that you use the power of words. My my sense is there's very few people in the population that understand the how powerful intention and words are. Just what you when you were talking about genetics in cancer, I thought, you know of myself, like if I've ever been asked in a medical form when I'm seeing a doctor, do I have cancer in the family? And I say, yes, I'm on my grandmothers, both my grandmothers inside. I think, uh, oh, that, that means I'm more at a risk for cancer because of this. Um, it starts to create a way of thinking about it that you're, that you're going to get struck by it because grandma's got it. And it's like, that's not necessarily true, but I can build a subliminal or or subconscious belief system for disposition. Yeah, that I'm a walking time bomb. It's just a matter of time because yeah. I have it in my family tree. But the truth is, almost everybody has it in their family tree. So you, it, it, I don't know if that, you know, I think they can do data studies on it, but it's a disempowering context to operate from to say, well, it's in my family in spades, so therefore I'm probably going to get it, or I'm at a high risk. Even saying you're at a high risk can create a belief system that. Uh, may end up leading to you getting it because we are powerful creators in what we think and what we oh, speak, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We uh, we constantly get conditioned by by these beliefs, and uh, you know, when I when I say like, um, anyways, I, I'm so glad that you're bringing back this whole thing about the language because it has such a huge impact in our psychology and way beyond we give it credit and we're aware of. And, you know, when you were talking about this guy on Facebook um, and you and I were having this conversation before the show about the warrior language and, and it's so central to my work to stop fighting the cancer. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are right now probably thinking this guy is crazy, right? So yeah, to stop fighting the cancer, but instead of fighting it, how about we just love and support and take care and and, and give attention to your body so deeply mm-hmm. that the cancer resolves itself, like that, that we can bring health. So how is instead of you know having that inner fight? Because what this language really brings is this constant um, fight happening, this battle. You, I mean. Check, check all the words, right? It's like the battle, yep. fight against, uh, being a warrior, uh, yeah. the killer, the invader, right? Yeah. All, all wars are very warrior-like. They are very associated with war. So what happens when we fight this war is that we get tired and, mm-hmm. and somebody loses, right? So hopefully the cancer loses, but my perspective is about changing the language, changing uh, the perspective you know, I run a cancer, uh, a Facebook cancer group. It's called Thrivers Group, you know, mm-hmm. thrivers-group.com. And uh, and I refer to everybody as, as a thriving person, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, it has been used as well, but um, being aware of the language that you use is huge. And also the other part that you were talking about, the predisposition of how, um, you know, have you had cancer in your family? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you, it's only, you know, 
uh, expected that you will have it. And the interesting thing is that what I believe the majority of people don't know is that we all have at some point or another cancer cells in our body. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. all have all these adverse forces within us. Do we trigger them and, and make them become active and take over? Yes or no. But are they in our bodies? Yes, they are all the time. And our body is so wise that it knows how to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. The thing is that the, the you know, the, the example that I put is um, imagine a stadium full of people and, and the stadium full of people and the people inside are like the toxins, right, in your body. And all of a sudden there is a fire in the stadium and everyone needs to leave the stadium, but there's only two doors open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what are these doors of exit in our body? Well, our sweat, yep. you know, stool, urine, yep. phlegm, all these are ways that our body constantly detoxifies every single day. If we don't detoxify, we start getting ill, right? We, mm-hmm. we become toxic and that's how we develop cancer in a way. Yeah. Um, so if everybody's trying to live through only two doors, obviously there's going to be a clogging and there's going to be a lot of, you know, problems there. So we need to open the doors for, for, for these toxins, for the, for the cancer cells to leave our body by sweating, by exercising, by eating better. Um, our body knows how to heal. Do, do you have, do you have, Federico, do you have like a list of things that you recommend they take or is it everything on an individual basis? In other words, you know, I talk about internalizing, you know, like I take certain supplements that over the years I've read have anti-cancer properties, right? Because I've internalized this kind of like, well, that might not be yeah. a bad thing for me to take. I don't think I'm going to get it, but it's part of my health regime that I like to take turmeric or i'd like to take Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is like whatever the the thing is do you have like a protocol or is everything really super specific i would imagine there would be a diet component because as we mentioned earlier that seems to be a driver if if you're if you're you know drinking eight diet cokes a day and you're pumping your body full all kinds of really bad stuff that would need to be brought into awareness i would think but is there is there certain things that you really like that like hey we recommend people take these as a preventative or people that or when they get they get diagnosed with cancer we really like them to take this off the get go or is it is it always individual and and the and the languaging and how and their belief system is really the central piece and the the other stuff is details that comes later is that is that accurate or how how do you approach it that way well in a, in a way it's very individual mm-hmm. you know the care is very individual <clears throat> but there are also general changes that we can all um partake that uh, could move the needle <clears throat> on mm-hmm. our favor and and those changes more than dietary and even though dietary for sure for sure yeah are super important uh, but i would say there are d- changes in lifestyle Mm-hmm. Okay, because changes in lifestyle have more positive results than many medical interventions. Like yep. when you look at the data, we underestimate the power of lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And what is what are these lifestyle changes? Well, sleep, mm-hmm. you know, diet, uh, processing our emotions, you know, all of these things like the amount of water that you drink, 
how much sweating do you do? Do you exercise every week? Everybody has to be moving their body. Yeah, uh, It's a way for a lymphatic system to, to really process all these toxins out of the body. So when it comes to recommendations, um, I would say that those are huge ones. Um, you know, the other one is something that I do myself, for example, is that I take um, probiotic rich foods every day. Mm. Um, kimchi kombucha i grow my own kombucha at home mm-hmm. and um and i take it undiluted from water just pure and it is the first thing that i take every morning so every morning i get up i scrub my tongue this is very descriptive here yeah i scrub my tongue make sure that that air is clean i drink about half a cup of kombucha raw kombucha that i grow myself and then i wait for about half an hour and then i have water mm. you know and then I wait about half an hour and then I have my first coffee. Nice. Okay. So really uh, take care of the, the flora and my intestine and the, and the bacteria inside my belly like a kindergarten. I really look at it so, so, um, with so much care. Yeah. Um, the other one, you know, things to do with um, sleep. Sleep is such a medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Sleep is such a medicine. So important to sleep. Uh, moving our bodies, I always recommend at least exercising twice a week for half an hour. Yeah. And there are two things when it comes to exercise. One of them is to do the exercise that is cardio that makes your heart pump, you know, your heart rate grow, uh, extends and brings a sweat to the body. Um, but the other one is the stretching, mm-hmm. which is so important because it helps the lymph nodes which is a place where a lot of cancer happens. Yeah. It helps the lymph nodes and the lymphatic system to detoxify. That doesn't happen just by cardio, but it needs to, the body needs to be stretched daily, daily, daily. Um, super important. So yeah, these are all dietary and, and lifestyle changes that can totally make the difference. The other one, you, you gotta have a way for you to process emotions. Yep. You know, a lot of the cancers um, have to do are emotional. And why? You know, people sometimes ask me, like, how is it possible that emotions can cause these physical problems? They don't see the link, right? Right, Right? And I understand. At some point, I didn't. So every emotion that we contemplate in our minds comes with an image, comes comes with wording. Every emotion that we have, every memory, um, activates certain hormonal response in our bodies mm-hmm. activates hormones activates chemicals what happens when with these undigested um, emotions and feelings and memories that we have is that they end up collecting an overproduction of these toxins in the body that never moved out well, and that, and I, I can see that, you know, I've done men's work and the show is, you know, titled for men. And it, that's just one of the areas men are so emotional, such emotional creatures, but we've been so, ah. cu- so cultured to not express any of the stuff that's going on. I think men think, well, that would make me less of a man if I, if I went in the room and grieved about, you know, I mean, I, I know men that, that, you know, can't even they can't even grieve when their mom or dad dies, you know, because they, they think it's unmanly. And I'm like, you just lost your mother. Like I would be broken down for a few weeks. Like I, I wouldn't yeah. be able to function, you know, uh, dealing with the loss of my mom, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're, 
we've we've been given a bad rap in terms of our emotional life and that and that we're you know we're kind of trained and cultured in the west especially that you know men men don't have to process that stuff we're we're work warriors we're we, we make money and we you know all this stuff and then the emotional stuff is just uh for the kids and the women and and that couldn't be further from the truth and you know we we've talked about that a whole bunch of sh- times on the show and i and i've had a bunch of guests on and we've unpacked that but i wanted to shift gears a little bit you know uh about the the vaccines you know that, that there's a lot going on right now in the world of COVID, oh yeah of the COVID, <laughs> the covid narrative and just between me and you you know i i grew up kind of in alternative health as well i was a body worker for 20 plus years and i know a lot of people i know a lot of yogis i know a lot of yoga instructors um you know i worked for 10 years in a in a movement yoga studio in new york city and so i just know a ton of practitioners a ton of uh teachers and i was really shocked when when they first said hey uh you know when fauci and and the cdc said we're going to recommend uh these vaccines mrna vaccines we've never rolled them out before but we're going to put this on the fast track um we've got we've got emergency approval um yes we haven't tested them extensively which would take five ten years that that we're not we're going to bypass all that because this is such an emergency we're going to we're going to put this we're going to put this product trust us you know I thought a lot of people in the alternative health community and the yoga community would go, no, that ain't, I'm not recommending that for my clients. And I was stunned how many of my former colleagues, uh, people that I knew were shocked that I was like, no, I'm, I'm not recommending it. I'm, I'm waiting, uh, for them to have more data. I don't, trust these guys to your point earlier i'm not just going to trust big pharma they they're going to make a lot of money by putting this in a lot of people um they're immune from lawsuits you can't sue them they're protected um they have a lot to gain uh and i just didn't trust it um and so i had voiced that in an episode that became very well known and it actually was the episode that got me banned off of twitter um, and, and, and all and all it was was a simple question and answer with a doctor that had the same concerns I did, and we just unpacked it. and And so I just I wanted to get your take on it. Like, how, what, were you immediately going, uh-uh? uh uh? Were you like, okay, maybe let's take a look at this? I I was kind of a, a, a an immediate no. Uh, I sniffed out the the corruption and and the agenda quite readily, but. I'm different. I've been down a ton of rabbit holes. I've, I've seen a lot of patterns and I was just sniffing it out. It didn't smell right from the beginning. Uh, just the fact that they were pushing so hard, you know, how it's almost like a, somebody that wants to get you to do something, you know, really bad and they won't shut up. You're like, why do you want me to do this so bad? Like, what's your, what's your agenda? Why won't you just leave me alone? I'm, I'm a no for now. Why is that not a good enough answer for you? And of course, that wasn't the good enough answer. They're like, we're going to make this mandatory and companies are going to make it mandatory. We're going to fire you, ban you from trial. You know, there was all this stuff. And now here we sit uh, and it's looking like, you know, I I don't want to say I was right because that's not what this is about, but it's certainly looking like people that were questioning had a lot of things that they had their finger on. Um, and But I guess I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, what, what was your take on it? And did you notice the same thing? Because I, I was shocked, particularly at 
at a group. Now, not everybody in the alternative health community was doing it, but I was just shocked. I thought there would be a big resistance from that particular subset, subset of our population. And instead I saw a yoga teacher said, Hey, if you're not vaccinated, you can't come to my class. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, how can mm-hmm. you be swallowing this hook, line and sinker? So I wanted to get your thoughts. And did you see the same kind of dynamic in, in your alternative health community that you were around? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, um, but but to make justice to this as well, um, mm-hmm. I'm in Canada, mm-hmm. in Vancouver, Canada, and a lot of the yoga studios um, were not allowed to be open if they didn't request this from their clients. Right. And right. a lot of these yoga teachers and studio owners were actually, you know, split in their in their you know it was very hard for them to yep. impose these on their own clientele because they knew that uh, it was going to break them financially in a way it was going to create a division mm-hmm. and they were not participant on it um so it was I, I wouldn't generalize it that um you know for a lot of them it was really hard as well i saw that too yep yep now this is a very very juicy question my friend and um Oh, I don't even know where to start. It's it's just being huge. And uh, well, and wait, I'm going to stop you there. We'll cut this part out. So I don't want you to say something that you're like, I don't really want my clients to know that that's my take on it. Or because I, I, I do deal with people that have clients. And sometimes we talk about this before the episode, but we, you and I didn't really address it. So I don't if, if there's something I, you no, know what I mean? Like, it, or if you want to go square in, but we all cut out whatever. Or if you're like, I don't really want to make a stand on that. I would totally respect and have Chris cut it out, but I'll oh, like, absolutely. I'll, absolutely. Okay, um, okay. Thank you for that, Tony. And yep. I appreciate it. Um, but I am totally fine with making a stand on this and having an opinion. Beautiful. Um, so when it comes to working with, with the people I work with and my mm-hmm. clients and myself, the the word that always comes to me is neutrality. Yep. And what I mean with that is that I am not pro-vaccine. I am not against it. Because it sets me, if I go in one direction or another, it sets me back into the either defending or the attacking posture, yep. which takes a lot of more energy than being in that place in which I just basically tell people, if you want to get it, go for it. Yeah. That's if something's calling you, please, by all means, if you don't want to take it, don't take it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So I don't really have a posture into whether people should take it or not, because I believe everybody is at the evolutionary consciousness place where they are, and they get to live their lives from that place. Yeah. I am not here doing a job of like pushing people to wake up faster than they should be because yeah. it all happens naturally and it will all happen to everybody in the normal natural way. Um, when it comes to cancer, for example, I know that a lot of these people with this vaccine will eventually develop a cancer and it's already been seen. Mm-hmm. This is going to throw again the numbers in a big, huge way. Um, but also going back to what you and I were talking about, um, how as a society, we, we surrender so easily to the chemotherapy, to the radiation, yep. to the medical system saving us. Right. That, of course, when COVID came in, there was a surrendering to please give us something that's going to save us. 
Right. Because okay. it all it all ties in with the in one side the the warrior language, mm-hmm. but in the other with, from the other perspective into the victim consciousness. Yep. Yeah. So well, if we feel victimized already in our lives by whatever it is. The government, the state, the food, the toxins. If we if we feel victimized, mm-hmm. um, we are going to be out in the world constantly looking for salvation. Yeah. So I think a lot of people in the health or yoga community, or whatever it is, um, health practitioners, regardless of what they do for work and how open they are in their minds, and so a lot of people are still within that victim consciousness right that so when covid happened it was a lot easier to have a have a grip on them Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely well and to circle back around to to one of your earlier points is that uh i've arrived at a neutrality with it too as well like i think at the beginning i was just trying to sound the warning bell about them because I was I was sensing that people were like, well, they're telling us to get him, so it must be good, you know. And uh, I could see where somebody is getting the vaccine and they have internalized a belief system that it's really strengthening their immune system. To your point earlier, that words create power and reality, and our thoughts and words um, create the context that we live in. That that people could get it and be totally fine. For me, it would be a disaster because I have that that would be like giving pumping something really bad into my body. So for me, it would be a bad thing for me to get because I just yeah. feel like oh, that's not the way I want to do it, you know. And so um, and and the fact that they were so trying to coerce it goes against my love of freedom and sovereignty and 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 self-responsibility. So it was triggering yeah. that in me. So for me, but I'm I'm okay with people getting it. I am concerned. Uh, you know, you brought up that you you're starting to see, you know, that there could be cancers linked to it. I think we're we're really early, and they'll probably be studying this for a long time. Uh, there's the futurist Cliff High, who's who's very well known, and he was saying that, you know, he was giving these really dire predictions, saying, you know, that he thought that there would be massive people getting sick, dying from the the vaccinated. And it, it scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, my, because I know a lot of friends, family that have been vaccinated, and I don't want to see that happen. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't know. There's I, I saw some videos recently of some funeral directors that and including one that the one that didn't seem to know exactly what he was saying in terms of he wasn't trying to tie it to the vaccines. He was simply going on. He was simply saying, you know, what's weird is. We got these flatline in terms of our business, the number of people that we process that pass away. And there's been a big spike, you know, recently in just the last couple, two, three months, there's been a big spike. And it's not from COVID. I don't know what he literally didn't know what it was. He wasn't to me. I was instantly going, uh huh, you know, and he wasn't really putting two and two together, which is fine. It was actually more powerful that he wasn't because if he was saying, oh, there's an uptick and it's from these shots, people go, okay, there's another, you know, conspiracy theorist. He was simply this kind of funeral director that was like, hey, is anybody else seeing this? And they are. Uh, what do you think might be causing it? I have no idea. Like, why Why are we seeing this uptick in, in deaths in our area? And nobody's talking yeah. about it. And so I thought, oh, shit, here we go. And is Cliff High right? 
Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's, it's, it's such a morbid topic, really, but it needs to be addressed because I think we may end up seeing some of that. I hope it's nothing like what Cliff High is predicting. I hope it's a way watered down, lesser version of that. But um, it's in the air. Some people are talking about. I see Google. Uh, a lot of people are searching my, uh, you know, what is myocarditis or you know, chest pains, myocarditis. Yeah. You know, there's there's a big, you know, Google can lie about uh, the 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 connections between myocarditis uh, and the and the jab, but they can't lie about the data that people are searching. And so I think there's this evidence, this kind of data evidence. People's yeah, minds. yeah people, for sure. Yeah, people are starting to search it. And so I just I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, do you do you see that as something you mentioned you think that maybe there could be a link from the vaccines to the cancer? Um what, 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 what do you what do you think we might see? And is that something we're going to see like right now in this coming year, like the funeral directors are talking about? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. we, we talk about side effects, right? Mm-hmm. Every, every medicine out there has a side effect and we call it side effects, but it's actually another way of saying, you know, the results of the, the, the consequences of taking it, right? Yeah. So the, the side effects of this drug, of this vaccine um, are still to be seen. Mm-hmm. In some cases are happening right away. In some cases are taking months and i know that in some cases it will take years yep we'll take years and we still don't know what 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 we have in front of us Mm -hmm. when it comes to the consequence of taking this experimental drug um you know and and i'm a little bit biased when it comes to this because i am as you know tony i'm half mexican you know my family is uh, native american mexican yep and um so we have and i have Another perspective when it comes to these vaccination uh, campaigns um, as being on the other side of the line. What I mean with that is that a lot of the vaccines that we have been using over the the last decades have been tested somewhere. Mm -hmm. They have been tested. They have been experimental drugs before they become patented and they become a vaccine, they have to be experimented and used in places in order for for the for the you know for the creators to to find out if it works, right? Yeah. But the interesting thing is that in most cases it doesn't get applied and 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 um, experimented with in American soil. I know. It gets it gets used in places like Honduras and Guatemala and Mexico and Africa and Asia. They, can, they take it to the poor countries, right? Where exactly. And, where they can, where they can, where they can kind of do an experiment, collect data, but it doesn't get blown into the mainstream media. Not that they would report that. They, I mean, we just just did a massive experiment right now, and they're still not really reporting it. So, but yeah, it's 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 this shady business of big pharma that we've got to do these clinical trials. Let's go to Africa or let's go to exactly. Central America and try it out and see, see what happens. Oh, that have, that have that, already left historically has already left, you know, tons of men, uh, sterile. Yep. For example, it has killed tons of kids in the past no. because it just hasn't worked. And, um, so for me, when I saw this comment, I was like, Oh, what, what really shocks me is that people don't understand haven't understood the majority that this is not a vaccine that is an experimental drug yep yep because it's only an experimental it's on its trial phase 
And um, would you put an experimental drug voluntarily? No. You know, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. Of well, course, it, everything was in the wording, into changing the wording, the wording to make it more appealing, but also to tap into the 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 urgency, right? How little conversation there was about, you know, making people's immune system more strong. Yeah. You know, hey, you know what? We have COVID here. This is the time where you need to eat better. Mm-hmm. When you need to take care of your of your body better, when you need to make your defenses stronger, there was no conversation about that. No. Nope. What what can we take? What supplements can we take? What vitamins can we take to to feel stronger, to be stronger, and really combat this? No, there was none of that. I know. Not it to was mention, all about I, taking some external cure. Not to mention all the stuff they suppressed about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, like all of the course. all the all the other drugs uh, that had been used successfully against it. Um, yeah. You know, just uh, yeah. So uh, I was also shocked. I was also shocked with see, seeing some people in my community uh, in the you know alternative healthcare and yoga practitioners and that were so pro it, right? That they weren't just just they went for it right away. I was also pretty shocked. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and and it, it it is only, you know, it's a vaccine in air quotes because it doesn't keep you from getting it. So it's not really a vaccine. Like if you take a vaccine and you know, smallpox, you'll get smallpox. Like it's not, it's, it's not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, I know tons of people that are fully vaccinated and boosted and they've gotten COVID. So it, it doesn't work the way a vaccine's supposed to work, but they don't ever seem to point that out. It's like, well, you know, let's get the booster. It's like, well, it's not really working for that. So what about looking at the possibility that it might be for something else? And I think you were starting to put your finger on it a little bit when you said it makes people sterile and all that. I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, shady connections with, with Gates and some of the population control and eugenicist agenda and all that stuff, which is of course really conspiratorial, but um, it can't be discounted as an agenda when it seems like that's what they've been you know, you have people like Bill Gates going on to TED Talk and saying, you know, vaccines are really good for population control. It's like, huh? Come again? What are you talking about? Why Why would you say that? And it's, you know, and then you see, oh, you know, he's been kicked out of India and parts of Africa because they were finding, hey, the girls are not able to have babies once they take these shots, you know, and maybe the maybe the boys, too, are, are, are sterile. So uh, we, we got to get this guy out of here. or We're not going to have any we're not going to have the next generation of children if we're not careful. So. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and I'm and I'm not saying that that's what this um, this yeah. drug is causing, right? But yeah, uh, yeah, I get you. There is definitely it definitely raises a flag, and you know, I I kind of want to stop using the word conspiratory and conspiracy theory because yeah, 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 it's such a yeah, man. Like, I, it's just you know, we both know that this is kind of like a concept, the the conspiracy theory that was created in the. I can I can remember in the 40s or 50s. Yeah, by the CIA. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, it had to do with putting down certain theories and certain ideas that were yep. going against the grain, against the the, the establishment. Yeah, and we keep using it. We keep using it when his reality is is not conspiracy. It's just simply people raising questions. Yeah, and 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 looking at possibilities. So, I think we need to stop using. Um, our ideas and our um, ability to to question the system as this conspiratory yeah. Yeah. nature, because it is not. It is actually a conspiracy in a way. It's actually fishy to accept what the system is offering you blindly. Yeah, 
Yeah. Everybody should be questioning, especially something that goes into our bodies and that comes from the outside. Like, what is this? Can you tell me what it is? And before, like, I need to understand what it is before it's, before I, I accept it. I totally agree with you. You know, it's funny when you said that about the conspiracy theory word. Yeah. I, I, rem <laughs> I remember, I remember my, my late father-in-law um, who was, just super smart and just he he could really sense bullshit like nobody's business and when this whole covid mat all, all the thing was unfolding and and he was out uh i was sitting next to him and and i asked him what do you think about all this stuff and he just looked at me and he just said i think it's a conspiracy but he said it in a way it wasn't it's bullshit he said it's a conspiracy meaning there's some there's an agenda behind it and i'm like mm -hmm. well that's kind of flipping the word to and empowering the word actually to me absolutely. i was like yeah, i don't think right. i've ever i don't think i've ever actually heard somebody it's always a defensive phrasing and the way he said it he just in one word he basically put, put his finger on what the agenda of the deep state and the big pharma and i was like wow that is that is really uh, a deft use of language and i was like I love it. yeah i'll never forget that so we have to wrap up but frederico i wanted to ask you uh first i want to thank you for coming on i feel like you and i could just talk and talk and i want to have you back on as things unfold because i think uh, I would love that. uh uh you know there you have a lot to offer and we're going to give everybody your your website and where they can find you and your work but i wanted to ask you if you've got any creative projects that you'd like our listeners to know about uh any any offers or classes or anything like that that you might want to uh mention uh, before we sign off oh well that's very kind of you tony for sure i um the thing that's uh where i've been putting most of my attention these days is on the cancer coaching program that mm. um we created we're, we're a team of three here and uh in our team we have a, a dietitian and then we have you know my wife she's executive director and then myself uh, the person at the front in a way and and the therapist um, we created this 12 week long coaching program for cancer patients. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And, um, we have a Facebook group as well called, uh, thrivers-group.com. Okay. Thrivers-group.com. Mm -hmm. uh, my website is Valin Hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. So V-A-L-L-I-N hypnotherapy.com. That's my website. And, uh, the name of the program is Thriving Through Cancer. Beautiful. You know, the Cancer Empowerment Program is basically called the Cancer Empowerment Program, and uh, in that in that period of twelve weeks, we meet with people one on one once a week. They meet with our dietitian as well. There's a ton of lectures that I recorded and audios on mindfulness, breath work, um, hypnotherapy, visualization, how to improve our language for our healing, how to process emotions is pretty powerful. So I encourage people that are looking into alternatives that feel like they want or they are able to do something more about cancer, about um, their healing, to reach out to me and <clears throat> would love to talk to them, uh, to support them into accelerating their healing into resolving some of their side effects and to really taking the, their healing more in their hands. Um, I am not against medicine. I love good medicine. Mm. I, I'm all pro that um, we offer a, a complementary supportive um, structure because I believe that every cancer patient should have a coach. Mm. I believe that we should all have a coach. We should all have that guidance, that support, uh, you know, that supportive force for us to 
really resolve those emotions to help us uh, keep us accountable with a plan, you know, with, with setting goals, foreseeing ourselves, having a life after cancer, super important. Beautiful. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. And um, that's a creative project that is taking most of my time these days. Absolutely. Well, Frederico, thank you so much for all the great yes. work, great work you're doing on behalf of humanity. Thank you for all the thank people you. that you've helped and are going to help. And I hope people continue to find you and your team doing the excellent work. There's a lot of people that are going to be looking for resources and you certainly have um, the right heart and spirit and, and, and resources for them. So thank you so much. And thanks for coming on Basecamp for Men and sharing your wisdom and your insights. Super appreciate it. Super appreciate you and come back again soon and talk to us. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Tony, for the work you are doing, mm -hmm. uh, for being such a strong voice in our community. And uh, really look forward to uh, part two. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, brother. All right. Yep. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Federico. I am putting his contact info where I can easily find it. If I or anyone I know hits a spot in his or her hero's journey where they need a health coach or a mentor, particularly around cancer, Federico would be first on my list to consult with. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Then remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac. Thank you for listening to Base Camp for Men.